Sally, who is also my co-owner of City Owl Press, our small press. Hi, Elena. Hi. Thank you for joining me today. So, Elena, for those who don't know, who are not our recent podcast listeners, <laughs> our, our old timers will know um, that I run City Owl Press with you. Could you tell us a little bit what City Owl Press is and how we got started? Sure. That's a good story, too. <laughs> so City Out Press is our publishing company. Um, we specialize mostly in uh, romance and speculative fiction. And how we started is a good story because um, we are authors, for those who don't know as well. And um, we wrote together first, which was a lot of fun. And in this those days, and I hope we start writing again soon. I'll have to, I'll have to pop that on the screen for our YouTube yes. viewers. Um, Elena <laughs> and I wrote uh, Touch of Darkness. That's how we got started in the publishing world as an urban fantasy writing duo. Big fans of all things urban fantasy with, of course, touches of romance in there. Um, and that was in, we started writing in 2007. And I believe we <laughs> finished it in 2009. It was published once, which again, for our old timers, you'll know that story. For our new people, I'll tell that story another time. But it was republished in 2014 with our company. So how did we get to that point? So that was the start of our publishing journey because we were kind of trying to go the traditional route and it wasn't exactly working for us uh, specifically. We, we weren't finding what we're looking for. Um, and we, if I remember correctly, we just kind of got together and said, you know what, we have so much experience in the publishing world at this point, why don't we try to do our own company and start with our book and see where it goes. And that was the beginning and we're going and going and going now. <laughs> I, I can't believe that's already been, like, it's been eight years ago in September yeah. when we first like officially launched the company. Right. I ironically enough, as I was cleaning up the, the mess that is the office, um, I found our registration paperwork for the company. Wow. Yep. That's fun. <laughs> so there it was. So yeah, you mentioned um traditional publishing and for our newbie authors out there who might not know, what is the difference between traditional publishing, indie publishing, and where this small press thing fits in between? Yeah, sure. So um, generally traditional publishing, I mean, everybody knows the big five. They're now what, the big four? I can't this point. That I don't even, yeah. All I know is that Random Penguin missed the mark in not having their name be Random Penguin. I think it's Penguin <laughs> slash Random That's Now. Right. I don't know how you don't adapt <laughs> Random Penguin, but... Just throwing that out there. But yeah, I think it's the big four now. The big four now, yeah. So um, 
so yeah, traditional publishing is it's a very intense and very uh, often long process. Um, where you start querying, you you first go usually through agents because the 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 big five, the big four uh, don't really work with you unless you have an agent. So that that's a big one in the traditional publishing world. Um, so you first find an agent, and then the agent starts basically shopping uh, your book to different publishers, and hopefully, eventually, you get a deal. Um, but it's a long process, and it's um. For some people, that's that's what they want. You know, you want to be published with one of those big ones and um, just be ready to query a lot, to get a lot of rejections. It's just part of the business. Um, not to say that you won't get there, but just just be prepared that it's going to be a fairly long journey. Yeah, I, I think with um, traditional, what a lot of people don't realize is that let's say you get an agent, which is great, and they then they work on your book with you typically in an editorial agent. Agents all have different styles, um, but most will edit it to some degree. And then they send it to editors at different houses, um, traditional as well as medium and small presses. With yes. traditional, however, it goes through many stages, including the acquisitions editor. That's kind of like the first person who's going to see it, unless it's a junior editor and has to go up the chain, blah, blah, blah. But it has to go to an acquisitions board and get approval through marketing and sales, and which is also true for our small press. But that process takes a long time. And then when you do get a deal, let's say you've, you've done the whole thing and you've signed with one of the, the big four, um, it will take time to also be published. Anywhere the shortest I think I've seen it is 13 months and that's super quick. Usually it's a two to three year process after you get the deal to actually see the book in print. But of course, there are some great things that come from traditional publishing, like getting um, shelf space in the stores, which is, I know, a big dream for many authors, although that is never a guarantee, um, but it is more likely if you're traditional. And then um, advances. Advances are usually money up front for the book, and, and it can be any range of advances you've seen, like, you know, the 1% of authors get, you know, $100,000 deal, a million dollar deal. But usually it's in a couple of thousands of dollar range. I think they've gotten lower over the years. So I actually yeah. don't know what the standard is anymore. It used to be a little higher. And now I feel like it's much lower. But I'm going to say on average anywhere, let's say conservatively from 1500 all the way up to 10000 is probably a reasonable advance. Um, and then you'd have to earn out that advance. Meaning you have to make as much in sales as your advance was before you'd see any additional royalties from the book. And that's kind of a tradition. Right, that's the traditional route. So then on the other end of the spectrum is the indie. Um, now with traditional as well as with a small publisher like us, um, you don't, as an author, you don't have to do the editing, the covers by yourself. Um, uh, a lot of the marketing, although it's you do it in conjunction with um, the publisher, but it's not, everything is not on you. Whereas with the indie route, everything is on the author. So from saying the, you know, writing the end up to release and everything afterwards, the marketing, the, you know, pushing of the book, um, everything is on the author. So 
uh, some people love it. Some people love the the independence that it gives them, the, the choices that it gives them, um, you know, because you have uh, control over what the cover is going to look like, complete control, right? You don't have to uh, ask anybody else. What your publishing schedule looks like. What's and your For faster yeah. writers, I know that that's a really big appeal of indie publishing is that if you want to put out a book a month, you can, whereas in traditional, you're, you're, it's, I don't think I've ever seen an author be allowed to put a, out a book a month, even like, you know, very, again, 1% of authors. Um, so that's something exactly. that's, that's appealing to indie authors. Exactly. So probably one of the biggest uh, advantages and disadvantages, depending on, on the person, is that total control over everything. Now, having said that, you're paying for everything as well. So um, just something to keep in mind that you're going to be paying for the cover, for that, uh, um, for being edited, copy edited, everything, right? And of course, marketing. Um, and then you have the sort of the middle ground, which is the small publisher, like, like City Outpress. Um, Outpress. So there are some similarities with the traditional publishing with us, um, such as we are not necessarily going to have authors putting out books every month um, either because we have to have time or, you know, we submit to traditional reviewers to, to sorry, trade reviewers. So that needs time as well. So it's not going to be most likely as long as the traditional um, publisher from the date that the book is acquired to the date it's released. Um, but it also may not be as fast as an indie author might be able to do, right? Um, so again, something to keep in mind. Um, the other, the other similarity with the traditional publisher is that uh, we take care of all the aspects of uh, the publishing process. So, like I mentioned before, the editing, the copy editing, the cover, right? Um, we do listen to our authors about um, their ideas for the cover, um, which is usually more than you would have with a traditional publisher. Having said that, we do also have control over the final product because, because we always research the genre. We always research what's what's hot right now, what's good, what sells good right now, right? Or sells well right now. Um, so we're going to take your book there. We, we want your book to do well. So we totally understand wild and crazy ideas about <laughs> covers and that's awesome and some of them are, are brilliant right we, we've seen some Beautiful. brilliant ideas for the covers having said that if, if they don't fit into the genre for the moment um mm -hmm. they may not do well sales wise and that's something that we don't want to see so um so we do have that control um we are more what's the word i want to use uh, there's more of an intimate feeling between, there's more of, a, of an intimate relationship between um, between us and the editors and the authors, right? Right. It's and very much a team. First. Yeah. It's very much a team experience. Just for a little background on City Out Press in particular, because there are a lot of differences between small press and also medium-sized press um, and vanity, which we'll talk about too, that you have to be very careful of. <laughs> um. Um, with, with City Owl, our goal in starting the company was to start a company that would be by authors, for authors, to bring the best, best books to our readers. That was really our goal, um, because obviously Elaine and I are authors ourselves, that we wanted to make sure that the author experience was at the forefront of publishing, that they had 
a fair and equitable contract that it, we, you know, the company is putting out the bulk of the money, the author is paying nothing, which by the way, if you're publishing with a company, um, you should not be giving that company anything. That's where, where vanity presses come in. Um, and there's a big red flags, no nos. So you're not paying anything to the company. You are going through a process to pitch your book to the company, to the publisher. That's true of trade, small and medium publishers. Um, and with us, we have an acquisitions process, we query an editor, we bring it to our senior staff to review whether or not we want to take on that manuscript and turn it into a book. And you don't need an agent? You do not need an agent. An agent? And that, you can't have an agent? That's true for most um, small presses. There are, I think, some medium size who might, you might need an agent for, none come to mind at the moment, but you do not need an agent. However, we do work with plenty of agents um, on subrights and also if, if an agent brings a book to us. So that was really important to us informing the company. And just a little bit about our background. Um, Yelena is our chief marketing officer, meaning she goes, she knows all things marketing and advertising. I'm the chief operations officer, which means I do the day-to-day the -day tasks. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> We both are equal in the production side, as far as Yelena is in charge of all the copy editors. I'm also communicating with our developmental editors. Um, so it's it's a very collaborative process. We have a, a huge team now as we've grown over the years of developmental editors, copy editors, designers, etc. Um, so that's also one thing about a small press is that some can be a two person team, which is how we started. And then some can be, you know, a, a 50 person team, depending on the size of the press and how many books a year they are doing. We have upped our production so that we are doing about 70 books per year, where we used to do about 40. So we are almost double what we were before. Um, some of the things, what are some of the things that an author should look for if they, they don't want to go indie because they don't want to, they don't want to take that all on themselves and they've been kind of maybe Maybe traditional is not for them. They don't want to wait as long, or they maybe they've gotten burned out on traditional. Where do does that person fall, Yelena? Like, what do you think that person should look for in a small press? Well, first of all, definitely um, transparency in everything that a small press does. Um, so, uh, you know, talk to if you know somebody who's already with the press. That's a good way to to kind of gauge. Um, how the company treats the authors, what they do for the authors, how things are handled, um, you know, if there's any major red flags. Um, so that, that would be my first advice is to kind of just uh, maybe talk to a person who's already with the press or if you have questions before you sign the contract, ask the questions, make sure it's something you're comfortable with, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, if there is anything you're not comfortable with, talk talk to us or talk to the press, right, that you, you're submitting to, um, you know, make sure, uh, look at how they're publishing in your genre, they, you know, do they have a lot of books in your genre, are they doing well, um, uh, you know, ask them about the research, about the, uh, the market in general that they do, because any company should stay ahead of um, whatever's going on in the market at the moment, right? Um, so all those things are very important um, to keep in mind. And of course, just 
Honestly, the communication. Communication is so, so, so super important, right? So if you're trying to reach somebody and they're not answering your questions um, or they're giving you a runaround or, um, you know, any anything uh, that, that doesn't feel right with communication, that's, that's I would say, a red flag. Um, yeah. Should it please give you pause? That's great advice. I would add to that that when you are putting out that like kind of like first initial contact, right? You're essentially cold calling, right? Querying is a type of cold call. You're saying like, here's my book and here's why I think I'm the best to publish with you. Um, and that can be a very slow process, especially if an editor is bombarded. Um, for example, I believe most, if not all of our editors are currently booked to 2024. <laughs> and we're yeah. in so just keeping that in mind, meaning that they don't have any more room in their schedules to fit another book in. So their their query inbox might be closed, it might be delayed, it might be slow. So that initial contact, I feel like, you know, give a little bit of time to it. Whatever the timelines are for that particular query, and they'll usually say on there four to six weeks, eight to 12 weeks, whatever it is. After you make contact, however, and you decide that you want to publish with a company, I personally, and you may disagree, Elaine, but I do feel like regular communication with your editor, especially, um, should be a part of it. Not saying that you should like, you know, hey, I'm having this panic attack at 3 a.m. You know, that, that's probably like, call a friend. That's probably not where you want to email your editor. Um, but if you're having like legitimate concerns of, hey, I don't know when my cover is coming out and, and nobody asked me for my input. That's a legitimate concern. Or you haven't signed the contract yet, but you're considering and, and you're worried about some things in the contract. Talk about that. Let a lawyer look over a contract. That's totally fine. Um, but make sure that, you know, the communication is there. And I feel like the best way to do that is really to talk to some of the authors that are already published with that company and reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking at XYZ company. How are you feeling there? How is their communication style? What do you think? And, and make sure it aligns with your personal goals. Um, not every small press and truthfully, not every indie book or every traditional book is going to be the breakout bestseller. So I think having reasonable expectations, especially if you're a debut author, um, really comes with with the territory and having those regular communications with your editor, it's unlikely that you are going to be a runaway bestseller. It's, it's not impossible and we've seen it happen, um, but it's, it's unlikely. And we talk also a lot about series and the value of series. And Elena, from a marketing perspective, could you talk a little bit about why we as a company value series, but also why it's probably a good thing for an author? Sure. Um, and before I do, I, I do want to apologize if you hear little weird sounds. Um, it's my bird. It's my parrot. <laughs> oh, wait, this is the perfect segue, bird. though. We didn't get to show our shirts. Okay, so if you, oh. are, if you are listening to the podcast, you have to go check us out on YouTube, too, so that you can see our shirts. Ready? All right. <laughs> okay, so, so podcast listeners, I have a corgi wearing sunglasses, and it says incognito. And Yelena has a pitbull mom shirt on because she is a pitbull mom. I'm a pitbull mom. 
And a bird mom. So if you hear those sounds, that's what it is. <laughs> and a bird mom and two cats. <laughs> and a cat mom. <laughs> okay, so we were no, saying about series. series. So like, yes. why is a series a good thing for an author to consider? Absolutely. So, uh, yes, we do a series. And we generally, if somebody queries us, one of the questions that we will ask back is, is this a standalone or is this a part of the series that you already envision or possible series that you can make out of it. Um, and the reason is because series is a lot easier to market. So when, if you, especially if you're a debut author, if you only have one book out there, um, and we're talking very honestly here, uh, the marketing is hard. Um, you're not gonna see the sales with your first book in the series and especially your debut book, um, as much as you're going to start seeing it once you got book two, book three, book four, book five out. And I would say that uh, really book three is where it starts to um, to get better, to get bigger, right? Um, because readers, especially romance readers and, and, and um, you know, urban fantasy and paranormal romance readers, um, if, if you're one of those, you know how much like you, you just read a, one book in the series and you're so ready to go to the next one, right? And, um, or at least see what else the saucer has, right? If you love the author. So guess what you do? You go online and you click on the buy the next in the series or, or um, you know, the, the, the other series that the author has whatever it may be. So it's, um, it, you follow through on, on, um, on the sale, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's a lot, it's a lot easy. It's a lot better to, to do the marketing. Um, a lot of even options that you have for, um, for promotions, they will ask you what book in the series it is. Right. And some of the bigger ones will actually approve you more because not all of them approve every 100%. If you're doing a, a promo with a big company, chances are, or there's more of a chance that they will approve you for promotion if it's your book two or three or four in the series versus book one, right? right? Um, so it's it's the sales, it's, it's the sale, follow-up that you have, whereas with one book, you just don't have that, and, and, and readers tend to forget the more time uh, goes between the books in the series, they go on to, to next books, to next authors, to next series, right? Absolutely. Um, so series is important, making, making readers fall in love with your characters or your settings, because not all series it doesn't have to be the same um you know it's a it's a uh, paranormal universe uh, not the same characters but it's the same universe same world um so there's a lot of different ways because a lot of times uh i've seen authors say well you know it is i, I kind of wrote one book i'm not sure how i can make it a series there's a lot of different ways right and that should be foremost in your mind as you're writing a book especially right now series is what sells series is what absolutely i think that's great advice on the flip side of that where would you say is the mark where you think okay maybe this series isn't selling it the way i want to and what are the options at that point like at what point in the series do i say okay it's book x 
it's not selling the way I want to. Do I continue writing it? Do I stop? What are my options? Right. Uh, probably uh, at book three is when you really should see how it's selling, right? Once book three is already out and, and little time has passed, then you can start kind of analyzing, right? Um, so it, it, I would say it's, it differs for different series and for different authors, but definitely at book three, start thinking about it, start analyzing, start figuring out, um, do you even want to continue writing it, right? Because if you was, um, if you was your passion for the series and it's not selling well, chances are the next book you're going to be writing was was not a very good mindset which is going to leak through in the book right um so maybe it's not to say that you're never going to come back to it but maybe this is a good point to go to something else mm -hmm. right start writing something else um and down the road if you maybe your other series just takes off and people want to want to remember go back to your backlist and see whatever else you have yeah guess what now you your other series your first series has more of a chance to um you know to 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 get traction right right so you always kind of have to analyze where you are what do you want to do how the sales are and it all kind of meshes together yeah point. i agree I think book three is a really good point to see where the sales are, where the readers are. Is this going to be something that could be marketed? Um, I know that some indie authors will say book five is where they really start to yeah. see traction, but I do think that's because they are, um, it's a different marketing perspective. It's more rapid releasing. I exactly. feel in those cases, um, but book three is a nice solid place to start to really analyze and see if you, if you want to continue writing the series. But I, I think that's great too, is that you're absolutely right. If a different series of yours catches on, it can absolutely add to the other exactly. series. Readers will want to go add, and see what else you Yeah. I would also add another thing to consider is changing up blurb, changing up covers, seeing what's currently trending in your genre. If you really want to, stick to a series that isn't doing well, see what's going on with the first book versus the second and third and where the fall off is. That's a thing that's called read through. Um, I don't want to get too much into that now, but you can Google like book read through, or we can get into that in another podcast and how to calculate that. But seeing as to where your readers fall off in your series is, is really good information for authors to have. Um, so going back a little bit to small press and what makes it different. What are some of the myths surrounding small press that you've seen, you know, in your career and that you hear perpetuated by the author community? What are some of the myths and can we dispel them? <laughs> yeah, so let's think about that. Let's talk about that. Um, so one of the myths I feel like is that, um, a small press is not going to have a marketing uh, marketing budget behind every book. If I had a and dollar every time I'd have it, I'd have a bigger <laughs> marketing budget. <laughs> that's true. That's right. Yes. So, yeah, that's definitely one of the bigger ones. Um, and it is a total mess because um, at least the way we run our small press, uh, there is a marketing budget for every single book on release 
as well as further down the road, right? So we're constantly looking, recalculating, analyzing, um, figuring out what kind of marketing needs to be done, what needs to change. Uh, but every single book will have a marketing budget, which, by the way, is not always necessarily true um, for, for big publishers, for traditional publishers, right? Uh, that's, that's I think, uh, another myth about traditional publishers that every book will have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars behind it for marketing. Right. And it's just not the case. It's usually the 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 lead books, um, mm-hmm. you know, the the, the best sellers. That's where they'll put all the marketing money. Um, it's not going to be every every single book. Um, but that's one of the bigger ones for sure. Um, I, and I would I'd tag on to that, that. And just to be crystal clear, because our company is all about transparency. Um, not every book at our company has the same marketing budget. And I think that's true. I can pretty say unanimously for every single company I've encountered because there are certain books that you are taking a bigger risk on because they perhaps don't fall into a genre cleanly. They might straddle genres or on the flip side, it might be hitting this like weird, strange trend that is happening right now in this specific thing. And so, you know, it needs to get out there a little bit more. So while every book at our company absolutely has a budget, and that will range from a couple hundred dollars to a couple thousand dollars, depending, not everyone is going to have the same budget. And it would be silly for, for us to come off and say, yes, we do the same thing for every book, because not every book needs the same thing, and not every book should be marketed the same way. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for the company or for, for the book. Um, so that's going to be true at any company and Yelena is hundred percent, right? There are plenty of companies who do zero dollars for, yeah. for <laughs> just to throw that out there. <laughs> that's right. Um, so yeah, uh, the second, the second myth that I would bring up is that, um, because it's a small publisher that the author has control over a lot of things. Yeah. Meaning. Meaning. Um, I want to clarify that. <laughs> like I mentioned before, for example, covers. So yes. An author will have input. Uh, you know, we will ask the author to fill out a form, tell us about the characters, about what they envision. And as I mentioned before, uh the the final decision on what the cover cover looks like will be ours. Because we know the market, we know the genre, we know what's going on at the moment, right? Um, so unfortunately, um, some authors basically feel like if it's a small company, it's a small um, press, they should have that control. That's indie. That's where indie comes in. So if right. you want total control like that, you know, and you, you don't want to budge on anything, um, even when, even when we talk to you about why we feel that, you know, we should be going a different route, um, then it really, uh, and, uh, you know, you should think about going into it. It's just a better way. Um, uh, you know, we, uh, the, other, the other thing is we, we really try to have good communication and answer as soon as possible. Having said that, we are still a company we're still a business. We have other things that we're doing. So we cannot, we cannot 
communicate constantly and answer every question for every author. We will try our best. We will make posts on, you know, in our groups and Facebook. We will, you know, try to uh, make sure that everybody's aware of everything. Mm-hmm. But um, there are times when, you know, it might be better to ask your editor. It might be better to even do some research, right? If it's, it's something a little bit more common. Um, so as much as, and, and we are guilty of, you know, answering our emails sometimes at, you it know, may, 12 may. o'clock at night. It yeah. It may. I am guilty. Just, 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 just with boundaries. I have no boundaries. Um, <laughs> not always. I do sometimes also answer that, that you know, 11, 12 at night. So that, that's happened too. Um, but, you know, it's important to understand we are a business and we do have to run a business a certain way. And again, if, you know, and also wants to put in full control of everything, that's, that's going easy. Yeah, it's preferable too. That's a, that's a really good one. And I think you're absolutely right that there is this perception that since it's a small press, again, whether it be that, that two-person team that's kind of just come out or even one-person team, or it's a it's a much larger company because there is a sense of you know, family that's created, there is a more sense of intimacy that is created amongst authors and the team that there is this sense that it's not a business or that like, you know, I can I can call up whoever at 3 a.m. and start to tell my life story. Now, that's not to say that authors don't become our friends. They absolutely do. But at the end of the day, a small press is still running a business. And so it's, it's good to keep in mind, you know, always be professional, even in instances where, you know, you're going to disagree. I think this is just good general advice when, when dealing with any side of publishing or business, whether it's traditional or not. And if you're going indie, you also want to present yourself as a professional. Being prepared to be the face of your business is what independent publishing is. You're going to have to be the face of your business. And when you're doing that, it's important to remember that you have to be professional and come off as a professional. Absolutely. That's that's just, just to reaffirm what you just said, professionalism. Professionalism, professionalism is so important in absolutely any career. Um, but we're talking specifically right now publishing and, and, and writing community. And it's of utmost important to always be professional. Even if you don't agree, that's where communication comes in. Be able to talk to someone to explain your position, to listen to their position. Um, but always maintain professionalism and respect. That's, yes. And I think even to add to that, there has to be, like, for example, um, me personally as a sci-fi romance author, right, I do a lot of social media that is fun, that is spicy, that is talking about aliens, and it's silly, and it's quirky, right? That's kind of my social media author persona. But when I'm conducting business, whether it's for myself as an author or for the company, that's a very different persona. That's a very different side of me. So. The person that you see on social media, well, I like to think that I'm a nice, kind person, the same that is the quirky person there. I am also a professional who's running a company. So having both of those hats, regardless of where you fall traditional small press indie, is really, really important. The person 
can be you can have a fun quirky persona or whatever you want to display on on social media but just remember the behind the scenes of the business end has to be that professional respectful person as well so number three of the of the small press myths, and this is where we're going to get into some of the red flaggy stuff um that authors have to pay to have their books published Good one. <laughs> oh, this one gets under my <laughs> So can you explain a little bit about why this myth might even exist? Well, that myth might exist because there are some publishers out there, or I should say companies who call themselves publishers. That's a better way to put it, I think. Um, and you may even have some some on TV advertising, I know I have recently, um, who they do exist, who basically say, um, you know, you pay us a certain amount and we'll do everything and we'll put it, your book up on, you know, the retailer sites. That is a huge red flag, as Tina said. That is not, uh, that is what is called a vanity um press and we shouldn't be doing it <laughs> you should not be going that way now just to um, be clear there is nothing illegal about these companies right. they right. can absolutely do what they're doing there is something very immoral and unethical about it because it is not how publishing works but there is nothing illegal about it so the the hard part of this is um, they can exist as a company and they can especially go after newer authors who don't know the business as well and say, hey, you know, for X amount of dollars, I can, I can get you in all of the bookstores, right? Um, which is inherently not true. They will slap your book up at the retail sites. You will be in the bookstores online um, as you could do as an indie publisher and any, any publisher can do. So you, you don't have to pay and you never should pay to have your book published. Right, except you know, it's it's they they could say they're a service, mm -hmm. but guess what? <laughs> First of all, they don't right, they don't present themselves that way. Secondly, if you're going to do the indie route, then you can you can get into all those services. You can really go for those services and make sure that they're the, you're working with the companies and people that you like that um that will provide you with what you're looking for you know the, the cover the the editing right rather than having no idea what these these publisher companies the vanity press is doing who they're working with basically all they do is they take your money they take your book they do whatever they do on you know in in the background, I don't even know what kind of communication they really have with the author. Honestly, I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't speak on that because I don't know. Um, and then they do exactly the same thing they can do on their own uh, as an indie publisher. So beware. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, um, they do tend to prey on, on authors who are newer to the business or authors who may just be tired and be like, you know, I just want somebody to do this all for me. I don't want to worry about it. But if, if that's the route where you, you know, just kind of want to put the book out there, 
then you should probably go traditional or try to go traditional. If you're not prepared to do like all the work, no matter how you publish, you're still going to have to do some marketing, some advertising in, in the form of social media. Um, so there's always something that you have to do, but if you're really like, this is, you know, I want a hands-off approach as much as possible, then traditional might be the best route for you. Small press, I feel like is always somewhere in between and indie, as we said, is doing everything yourself, but do not fall for the vanity press. <laughs> it, it is not worth it. They will take your money and do nothing. So yeah, yes. don't, don't fall for that. Is there any other red flags that you can think of? when researching any type of publishing company that authors should be looking out for anything if a company tells you and this is this is one of those iffy ones but if a company tells you that an author doesn't have to do anything any marketing any social media it just doesn't matter right it's wrong because no matter and like we said, you know, we have a marketing money behind, a budget behind every book, right? It does not mean that the author should absolutely not do anything. Mm -hmm. An author should still be building their mailing list. An author should have an online social media presence and actually be active on at least one or two platforms, right? Mm -hmm. uh, um, an author will probably do you know, the newsletters, all that kind of stuff. But some authors also would like to supplement whatever the press does with marketing money mm -hmm. with, if they can, with, with their own, which is fine. Mm -hmm. It's all of these things is what's going to um, make a more successful career a more successful, um, you know, uh, a book release, if it's, a, if it's a specific book release, all of those things combined uh, are more likely to make it a success than if an author just does not do absolutely anything. Right. 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 I because think that's a great distinction, too, that you said that if you're an author and you expect to have this as a career, consider that you are putting money into yourself as a business. You should never hand money to your publisher and be like, here's my money. That's that's not how this works. However, you should expect at some point in your career to put out money to put your career further. And that can be in the form of advertising to your newsletter, right? To get people on your mailing list. That could be in going to um, conventions and wanting to further your craft or to sell your book. That could be so many other things like getting professional headshots, right? There, there's definitely money involved with being an author. I think you can start out for, for little to nothing, but I think as your career grows and, and how serious you want to be as an author, you should at some point expect to be to be spending money because it is your business no matter how you're published. And having said that, there's a lot of things that you do as an author that are free. Like building your mailing list, right? Um, like doing the newsletters. That's all free, but as long as you keep doing it and, and keep it consistent, that's, what's, that's what matters. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point too with newsletters. Um, we just had a podcast last week about does an author need a newsletter? And, and the answer was a resounding yes. Oh boy, <laughs> do it. <laughs> but also, 
Um, there are newsletter providers, newsletter services. We all like Mail or Light. Um, no sponsorship, but hey, Mail or Light. <laughs> if you want to sponsor the podcast, we're, we're out here. Um, so no sponsorship, but we do all like it. And there is a free option up to a certain amount of subscribers. So this is a perfect example, right? Where you could start building for free, but at some point, as your list grows, you have to then put out some money. So, and this is this is very normal for a business of any size that as it grows, it's going to have more expenses. So, just keeping that in mind that you know sometimes putting money out there to to further your career is is not a bad thing. But at the same time, don't go paying a vanity price. Just those are the <laughs> distinctions. Yes, <laughs> very good one. <laughs> so, anything else about small press publishing? marketing, newbie authors or established authors. Anything else that you would want to tell our audience, Elena, for them to know all about it? I think I'm so much for doing your research, mm. doing your due diligence. There's so much information out there right now. This is not even, you know, 10, 15 years ago. There's so much information on all of this that you can find um, just by going on the internet and doing some research, right? So that's probably one of my biggest uh, suggestions or, or advice is always do your due diligence, always do your research, make sure that you're comfortable with whatever your decision is. Having said that, also remember that, especially in this day and age, right? Don't be afraid of making the wrong decision either because if you make the wrong decision, there is really no wrong decisions. There is a decision that you make and then down the road you realize, well, maybe that's not exactly what I want, not exactly, or it's not working out exactly the way I thought it would. You always have an opportunity to do something else. So don't be locked in into the idea of I made a decision that I'm going to regret, right? Try something. If it's not working, try something else. With the publishing world, as it applies to, to writers and, and um, you know, the writing community in the in publishing world, you can start out with a small press. Mm-hmm. Down the road, you may get an agent. And all of these things that I'm talking about, we've seen people do and do successfully, right? All the time. Um, down the road, you may get an agent and you may shop a, another series or, or another few series. Um, to a traditional publisher or to other small presses. And guess what? And there's also indie. Mm-hmm. You can be a hybrid author. You can be with a small publisher and be an indie author at the same time. We have a couple of amazing examples of that just among our authors, right? Yep. And they're doing so well. They're doing so well. And it kind of uh, bounces over, it works over each other, right? Because mm-hmm. when they do well with what they publish with us, they also, it translates into their, um, indie, what they publish themselves, right? And vice versa. So we've seen both of those things happen. It's, it's a very synergistic kind of um, process happening there, right? Yeah. So don't be afraid to make the wrong choice. Be comfortable, make your research, right? Do your research. But always know that you have those options and you can have them try different things at the same time, right? Or, or down the road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that's yeah that's lately that's that's my advice for, like don't, don't be locked into the idea of oh my god i'm gonna make the wrong choice and what am i gonna do then you know yep. Because some people are all three. Some people, traditional, small press, and indie. So, yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. And I cannot think of a greater way to end the podcast than that. So thank you, Yelena, so much for joining me. For talking all things small press. Um, and if you would like to query City Out Press, you can find all the information on our website at www.cityoutpress.com. And, of course, the Bound by Books podcast. You can find all things on our website about all of your hosts. Be sure to join us next week as we talk about all things books in Bound by Books. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.